We're going to focus on the Word of God today, in particular in the Gospels. In the Gospels, we see the story of Jesus come to life, don't we? In fact, if you ever want to get to know Jesus, let's say you want to forget about the church for a while. Let's say some things in the church have rubbed you the wrong way, or you've had a past or a history with the church that's bothered you, and you're holding the church at arm's length. And I know, probably like you do, a dozen people, people I could count on every finger, both of my hands, who will not go to church, but love the idea of Jesus. If you introduce people to the person of Jesus, the one place you can take them to to learn Jesus and get to know Jesus is in the Gospels. So we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about the gospel truth of Jesus from the perspective of four different people who wrote about him now hundreds of years ago. And in particular, as we open up to Matthew today, and we start at the very top of the scriptures, we open up to Matthew, what we're going to be exploring together is the idea that Jesus is God's kept promises. Jesus is God's kept promises. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. Have you ever been with a child of yours to the dentist? You ever gone to the dentist with a child of yours and had the experience of helping them to get comfortable with the dentist for the first time? Have you ever done that before? It is an interesting venture because all kinds of cool things happen at the dentist's office. It may be that they are getting a teeth cleaned. It may be that they have just, you know, been to the dentist for the first time and gotten that cool, I'm, you know, got clean teeth picture and posted that on Facebook for the first time. It may be that they've been to the dentist several times and they dread the idea of laying back on that chair. Could we go to slide number one there, Tim, on keynote? Thank you. But no matter what you end up doing with a child at the dentist, it's always a harrowing event to go to the dentist with a little kid, isn't it? So we relied on this one particular word from our children's dentist once who said to us, Okay, we're going to serve your children. We're going to take care of your children from beginning to end. And here's my cell phone number in case something should ever happen. Now, I I tell you this in truth, and I'm not going to release the name of the child who did this. But one of my children happened to have some kind of string or line tied around their tooth and did a cartwheel at the same time. Now, with a string tied around a tooth and doing a cartwheel at the same time, maybe in your mind you're thinking, well, maybe he or she was trying to help a loose tooth out. That was not the case. This was just flat out mischief. And yet when that child did the cartwheel, the string, of course, as you might predict, got caught on something. And what happened to the tooth? The tooth got ripped right out of there. And it was just like bloody gore instantly. It was like a bad B-movie horror flick or something that was happening. So the first thing we did is we texted our children's dentist and say, hey, our child has ripped a tooth out. What do we do? Now, I think I might have caught our dentist on the golf course that day because he was very much against the idea of leading me through what to do next with my child's tooth. I think he was inconvenienced. In fact, he kind of tore into me, and the tone of his voice was like, how dare you call me wherever I am and ask about a ripped tooth out of your child's mouth? But now, wait a minute, I thought, hold on. You had made me a promise when I brought my child to you that I could text you or call you whenever my child had an issue with their tooth. 
and my kid just did something crazy and foolish and ripped a tooth out of his or her mouth, I'm calling you for advice. And he's like, just put some stuff on it, but leave me alone. Basically, he didn't want to talk us through what to do with that tooth or that hole in the mouth where the tooth was. And for a moment there, I thought, well, wait a minute. You broke your promise. You promised me that I could text you, that I could call you, that I could reach out to you. And he wasn't willing to lead us through what to do with that tooth. Here's the thing. Promises in our culture today mean so much, don't they? You look at promises made in politics. You make, look at promises made at home. You look at promises made at work. And whenever a promise is broken, what does it break? It breaks trust, doesn't it? But whenever someone keeps a promise, what does it build? It builds trust, doesn't it? What we're going to discover in the book of Matthew today is that God made promises and he kept how many of them? He kept them all. And we can make that absolutist claim today with all confidence. In fact, it can be proven in the scriptures. So what I want to share with you today perhaps will be encouraging. That there is a record of God's performance that is eternal. And that God has the ability to make promises and keep them. And in particular, he's been doing this from the beginning. In fact, when Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden, God said that I will produce a seed through you someday that will lead to your salvation. And this was right to Adam and Eve as they were struggling with sin for the first time. So in this series where we're talking about these four gospels and these four witnesses, what we're going to start with is this. The impeccable record of our God and how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's great promises. So I'd ask you to do this with me and just have one more word of prayer as we explore that idea. Heavenly Father, on this beautiful day, we ask that your word would descend. We ask that we would hear from you very clearly how important it is that promises are made and kept and how, God, we break our promises all the time. That is our human nature. But thanks be to God, your son Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave a couple of thousand years ago on this day in order to demonstrate one thing above all. And that is that promises made by God are serious and for real and mean business and that God's promises are kept. So, Father, we ask that you would work in each of our hearts. We ask that you would change the parts of us that don't fully trust you yet. Shine your beautiful light like the sunshine into my heart so that I may trust in you all the more. In your name we pray and together we say amen and amen. You know, the chief of God's promises, and this is from Matthew chapter 1 and verses 20 and 21, said this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because that is what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name what, church? Jesus. Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And lo and behold, Jesus is born. The scripture then says in Matthew 1, all this took place. All of that took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So church, the very first promise that was fulfilled is God said the Savior would come and be born of a virgin. It would be a miraculous birth. 
Was that promise kept? Say yes or no. Yes, it was. If it was kept, say amen and amen. Yeah, that is exactly true. It is most certainly true. The promise of Jesus has been kept. Here's the second one that took place. In fact, it was when a woman was suffering. She had an illness and she had the opportunity to see Jesus. In fact, the scripture says when evening came in her life, many who were demon possessed were brought to Jesus and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. The Bible then says this, and this is Matthew chapter eight. It says this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Church, if you see evidence in the gospels that Jesus can heal all sicknesses and illnesses, is that true there? Yes or no? Yeah, you could see that. And if you believe that's true, say amen and amen. Jesus has given us a record in history of being able to heal illnesses and sicknesses. The third place was this. The scripture says Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Think about what your most favorite parable might be. Maybe it's the parable of the tenants. Maybe it's the parable of the sower. Maybe it's the parable of the 11th hour worker. Think about your favorite Jesus story. Jesus spoke in so many parables. In fact, the scripture says in Matthew 13, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. If you believe that Jesus did this, say amen and amen with me. Amen and amen. Jesus used stories, and many of us can remember what they said and what they were like. And then fourthly, Jesus rides in triumphantly into Jerusalem a week before today, 2,000 years ago. He rides in in triumph into Jerusalem. The scripture says this, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And I quote, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. Matthew 21 verses 1 through 5. You see, the thing is this. God works through promises, promises given and promises kept if you make a promise and don't keep the promise, then it's not a promise. What is it, church? It's a lie. It's a fabrication. It falls short. But if you make a promise and you keep that promise, it is a promise kept. It is not only a prophecy, but it is where someone has trust in a trustworthy manner said this is going to take place and how. And then when that comes true in real life, they establish their trustworthiness. In fact, through Jesus, there are two additional amazing promises. Jesus was talking with two different kinds of religious workers. One kind was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee believed that there was a resurrection, that there was going to be new life after death. And Jesus would often debate with the Pharisees about how they did their business, how they worked their way into the temple and into the lives of people who needed good news but yet gave them a bunch of rules to follow. Does this sound familiar for those of you who don't like church? Maybe you're tempted to believe church is about following rules. Jesus fought against this idea from day one and thought really the main point 
was to have a relationship with God. That going to church was simply a way to build up one's relationship with God and one's trust in him. So he was arguing with the Pharisees about this on many different occasions. But one thing that he shared with the Pharisees was a belief in the resurrection. That one day life would come from death and would be born anew. But there was a second set of religious workers called Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection after death, which, of course, is why they were sad, you see. Good job laughing on cue. That was awesome. I love it. I love you guys are awake. You're with me. I love it. So the Pharisees, did they believe in resurrection? Yes, they did, right? Did the Sadducees believe in a resurrection? No. So even amongst the religious workers, there was disagreement. Can you believe that that should happen? That there's disagreement among religious workers? Yeah, still happens to this day, doesn't it? But one pivotal being stands in the middle of every argument. And his name is Jesus. And in fact, here's what the scripture says. The scripture says about the resurrection of the dead. These are the words of Jesus. Have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Church, I want to challenge you to say that last phrase with me. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Ready? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Let's say it one more time with conviction. Ready? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, I want you to hear this message. If you don't hear anything else, if you only hear planes buzzing up above or kids running around or bees beezing, beezy beezing, is beezing a word? Bees, if you see bees beezing and hear bees buzzing and you don't hear anything else, hear this. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And he raises the dead to life. If there is something in you that is dead on this day, it is raised in Jesus, not it can be raised. Listen, it is raised. It is raised. You are declared alive. You are called alive. Even if you feel dead in here, even if your heart is as empty as that tomb, you are called alive. You are proclaimed alive. You're declared alive. You're conscripted alive. You're brought alive. You are made alive. God is not the God of the dead, but of the what? Of the living. Jesus means business. He not only means to talk about this idea, but he means to demonstrate it. In fact, he not only is so serious about it, he let himself be killed in a very humiliating and public way and buried in a tomb that he didn't even own and then miraculously raised again to demonstrate that he intends to make and keep his promise. And his promise is this. Surely I'm with you always. To the very end of the age. You know I made a promise to my son Caleb. The next time he would lose a tooth. Remember we talked about dentists. By the way he wasn't the child in the first story. It was another one. I made a promise to my son Caleb. I said. I will give you $1 for every year you have lived the next time you lose a tooth. Now, friends, I have a confession to make. That was several months ago. Now, the reason I didn't give him his $8 because he's been alive for eight years is because who has $8 anymore? 
I got a 10, I got a 5, I got a 20, not much more than a 20. But I'd have to actually go work and find $8 these days, wouldn't you? And I think it took me like four months to find $8. So I want to invite my son Caleb up front in front of the whole church and God and all of creation. And I want to give him his $8 right now. <laughs> Caleb, why are you running away? If this was ever an opportunity for a pastor's kid to be center of attention, it's right now. Look, I got cash. Look, eight actual dollars, y'all. Look, eight dollars. Maddie says she'll take it. Yeah, yeah, see, he said you lied to me. Yeah, nice. So I'm fulfilling my promise. Can you see how important this is? Do you see how important it is when we say something that we mean it and we follow through on it? even if it takes five months or whatever it's been. So God, God took thousands of years. And those of us who trust in him are willing to wait on him, aren't we? But we understand that those who don't trust yet, they have reasons. And those reasons are legit. And it is God's work in you and me by the nature of what we do here and out in our normal lives, that God understand and get what it means that he is trustworthy and true. For God is not the God of the dead, church, but what? But of the living. So we say this in all earnest. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Do join me and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your good word. Thank you for being the God of all good promises, for the one who keeps them, for the one who makes them and tells us how he's going to keep them. Thank you for being so articulate about it, that you mean trust, that you mean power, that you mean goodness through Jesus. And thank you for giving us the means of that goodness through Jesus' work on the cross and then rising again from the grave. God, if I've never trusted you before, if I've never placed my trust in you by the power of what Jesus has done, I place that trust in you now. And I look to you for all good things and I lean upon you in times of distress. I give to you my heart because you are the one who made it in me in the first place. So I simply give it to you back. Receive my heart. Receive my life because of all that Jesus has done. And I thank you on this day that you are the God of not the dead, but of the living. In your name we pray and together we say amen and amen.